0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And welcome to another edition of Fantasy Sports Today. Great to be with you here on this Tuesday. Plenty to cover, including a recap of the Monday night football game between the Seattle Seahawks. And of course, the Philadelphia Eagles, interesting game there last night. We have one suspension in the NFL also. We're going to have to make some moves and then potentially an afternoon football game on Wednesday. Kind of odd to say the least, but hey, that's where we're at this year. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia with you here on the show every day here on Sports Grid, 12 to 2 Eastern. Thanks for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter at Sports Grid. Follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Pizapia17. Joe, good to be with you here on this Tuesday and certainly coming off. One of the more uh, fascinating Monday night football games of the year just from a losing standpoint. Normally you focus on the team that's winning and you look at them and say great things. And, and then there was one great performance, I would say, last night from that game. But in general, mm-hmm. I just feel like we're watching the same movie over and over again with the Philadelphia Eagles. I just kind of feel bad at this point how pathetic it is for them. And that's where we'll start today.
2: Yeah, it feels kind of like a horror show on loop. Uh, you know how they have like 12,000 Hellraiser movies or 50 Halloweens. That's what this season is. There are 16 of these that they're going to have to go through. It's a, it's a very long series. It's slightly longer than I would say the fast and the furious, but maybe only slightly slightly at this point, maybe by a hair, but yeah, another uh, difficult showing there for the Philadelphia Eagles. And of course, you know, what's more 2020 than Wednesday afternoon football. And for those of you wondering, well, why is it on a Wednesday afternoon? It's because That night, NBC has the official tree lighting ceremony going on at Rockefeller Center, and they're broadcasting that live. So that is why you're getting the afternoon football game. So I don't know about you, but tomorrow afternoon, I plan on sitting back watching all Steelers and Ravens, and I think that's a fun way to spend a a Wednesday. I don't know about you, Craig.
1: Yeah, no, not at all. I don't think that it's a fun way to spend a Wednesday watching the uh, the, the Ravens get pummeled by the Pittsburgh Steelers for only having like an active 40% of their roster. Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't get it. I don't know why this is so, just so difficult to push back. But uh, look, I, I understand what they did with, with Denver, but um, I guess having football for the NFL is more important than having competitive football because I don't think the Ravens stand a chance uh, fielding half a team. Um, If it's anything like the Denver game, it'll be an embarrassment. But I suppose RG3 has played well like seven years ago. So maybe there's a chance that he does that again tomorrow. Okay, our headlines from last night. A, uh, a, I, I would say compelling game just in the sense that the Eagles don't really appear to have any kind of direction, and Seattle just basically uh, like didn't need to do much in that game last night except for a throw to DK Metcalf over and over again. They end up beating the Eagles by six on Monday Night Football. The Eagles go for two with no time left, essentially, at the end of the game. The closing line was six and a half. Ironically, early in the week, it was five and a half, and, uh, and we would have lost that game in the Super Contest had we not pulled that off the sheet and, and went to the Saints. So that's, that's a first for, for me this year in terms of doing that. And so it just does go to show you that if you can predict the outcome in terms of which way the public is going to bet, you could end up winning and you could end up losing. So a very peculiar way to end for sure. Ravens and Steelers end up pushing their game back, as Joe mentioned, to 345 Eastern on Wednesday. That is what ESPN is reporting, that it's because of the Rockefeller Center lighting of the tree. So we'll see if they even play that game tomorrow. Uh, For the Houston Texans, bad news for them, bad news for your fantasy team, honestly, because Will Fuller's had a nice year, and he's not going to be available to you for the fantasy playoffs. He's been suspended for the rest of the season, and also Roby as well. So two players out for Houston. I wonder who becomes their second wide receiver for Deshaun Watson. And then Daniel Jones likely to miss at least a week or two for the New York Giants. They're really in the driver's seat for the division at this point, along with the Washington football team. And Joe, we'll see what ends up happening there. I don't really have a ton of confidence in Colt McCoy, but I know the Giants are going to fight. I know that they're going to be in it at the end of a lot of these games, because honestly, Daniel Jones hasn't really won any games for them in particular, but McCoy is no better than the average backup, but he's probably better than some of the backups we've seen in the NFL this year.
2: Look, you know, initially you want to just count the Giants out altogether, but then you realize this team always shows up, it always rallies, it always plays hard. So maybe they will go to Seattle this week and give them all they can handle. It's very possible, but it's very much more likely that probably this is the end of the Giants' run, I would think, because time is kind of running out and Daniel Jones not being on the field, it definitely hurts them. I mean, not that Daniel Jones is Aaron Rodgers or anything like that, but. You know Daniel Jones has been making some plays with his legs. He's been making plays just period lately. He's getting a little bit better, not turning the ball over, and that's helped the Giants get back into relevancy in this terrible, terrible NFC East division. But I don't know with Colt McCoy, I just don't have that same sort of confidence level that I did maybe a week or so ago in the Giants being able to really make a, a fun run at this thing. And as far as Will Fuller goes, I think Rich Rebar who is a great fantasy football analyst out there on Twitter had the best line about this. Whatever will Fuller was taking this year should be legalized in the NFL because this was the first year we actually had will Fuller on the field for what seemed like the entire season. And you look at his numbers. I mean, they've been really good. The guy had 53 catches, 879 yards, eight touchdowns. This was the will fuller season. We had all been waiting for and we talked about him so much being this incredible risk reward player coming into the season, where you could draft him as a wide receiver four or even five, depending on the depth of your league, and you might end up with a wide receiver two. And guess what? He's been a wide receiver too, at least in in football this year, and and I think it's just really a huge bummer for Sean Watson. It's a huge bummer, obviously, for anybody who took that chance and it was paying off for them. And twenty twenty is just a year where we just don't have nice things. So unfortunately for Will Fuller, he will be out, and I guess fire up those Kiki Q T shares again, and him and Brandon Cooks are going to carry the workload going forward here for uh, the Houston Texans.
1: Yeah, it would appear that Cooks probably the beneficiary of this over the last week just depending on your team and if you're advancing to the playoffs I think that's more of the issue for sure especially there's still a couple of bye weeks left here for teams in week 13 here. you Carolina and Tampa Bay I didn't even realize that they're uh, off this week okay coming up next time for our fantasy standouts from the game last night Seattle and Philadelphia make sure you stay on the grid we'll get right to it don't go away <laughs>
0: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And welcome back. As we close out the week of football, at least on Monday night, we looked at the Seattle Seahawks basically throttling the philadelphia eagles but if you looked at the point spread it may have showed you differently also depended on where you bet that game and how you bet that game last night closing line of six and a half the eagles with a backdoor cover of all backdoor covers but that is what the nfl is and yet if you bet that line another monday night football team covers if you bet the early line potentially you ended up getting a win out of that game all right so let's take a look here at the fantasy standouts from the monday night football game as Russell Wilson really didn't need to do all that much because Seattle just watched Philadelphia fall all over themselves. 22 of 31, 230 passing yards, 12 rushing yards, all at the end of the game, and a touchdown. Carson Wentz, 25 of 45, 215 passing yards, also 42 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and one interception in the end zone, no less. Chris Carson looked really good on one run, didn't do much else. Eight carries, 41 rushing yards, two receptions, 18 and a score. DK Metcalf sent both of my fantasy teams to the victory column as I head now to the final week with a chance to get in. Go figure that one. 10 for 177 in this game. Dallas Goddard, seven receptions, 75 yards and a touchdown. Zach Ertz is expected back next week. We'll see what happens with him and with Richard Rodgers, who also scored a touchdown, three receptions and 53 yards there. So I suppose we could start with Seattle and then move our way down to Philadelphia because that will take a lot less time. (laughs) <laughs> with with Seattle, with with Seattle, you know, they, they basically, it, it seemed like came out on fire and just decided that they were going to take it to Philadelphia. And it's almost like once they realized that the Eagles were not going to be able to score three touchdowns in this game, they sort of slowed down. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Metcalf really is the MVP for a lot of fantasy teams this year, Joe, for mm-hmm. mine in particular. And I don't know that I'm going to make the playoffs. I'm going to need to win still again in both leagues that I'm playing in. I'm I'm almost the high point person in one, so uh I'm going to need a lot to to get in on both, but here's the reality. He is probably the most exciting receiver to watch at this point in the NFL. He is basically catching almost everything that's thrown his way in traffic when he's open. Sometimes he drops a ball he should have had a touchdown in the in the back of the end zone that mm-hmm. was really easy. But I, I think that it's pretty safe to say with a few games left and I know that people will check out if they don't make the playoffs as they should, if you're out, there's really no reason unless you're betting on football to watch. And And I, that's the way I've been for years too, is that next year he's either the number one or number two wide receiver taken in fantasy drafts. And if he's not, a top 10 pick in next year's draft. He's right after that, Joe. He's probably on that 11th pick, 12th pick, somewhere overall. He's uh, he's as dominant as any receiver that I've seen fighting against a defender in a long time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And Darius Slay is one of the better defenders still in the NFL. He's not quite the same guy he was maybe two or three years ago, but he's still one of the better cornerbacks. And look, I know he's given up some size to DK Metcalf. Everybody pretty much has given up size to DK Metcalf. But, you know, if you don't get safety help, if you, you know, continue to think you can guard this guy one-on-one, you're just wrong. You just can't do it. If you look at any game this year where you shut down DK Metcalf, it was multiple guys doing it. And you just can't play this guy one-on-one no matter how good you think you are. He's just a matchup disaster. And you're right. He's in that elite tier. We're talking about Tyreek Hill, Hopkins, Devontae Adams, him. Uh, We can talk about Michael Thomas when we have a little bit more clarity again of what New Orleans looks like in 2021. But right now, now, he is in that conversation. It's a great year, I think, next year to actually have one of those later picks because you could probably double up on some of these wide receivers I'm talking about. There, You could very well start a team with, I don't know, DK, Metcalf, and Hopkins next year. And that's a pretty good start to full point PPR. I, I think there's every reason to believe that you should go ahead and do that. Maybe then take some shots on those. You know, post hype year two running backs from this past year, the rookies that didn't really pan out, take some shots on some other guys in some new spots. But DK Metcalf has just been fantastic. And another fun stat too is that with Chris Carson plays, Seattle's undefeated this year. So that oh. is a fascinating little stat. Now, I understand he didn't have to do too much in this game, but I think just the presence of him on that field, the physicality between him and Hyde running the football hard. Hyde had that one touchdown call back to. and I, and I think that when you have them more balanced, You could see a balanced attack on offense along with a healthy jamal adams on defense really does give you the best version of the seattle seahawks and i think the version that is probably most dangerous in the playoffs if they can get everybody healthy into the playoffs then seattle can really go ahead and they could make a run to a super bowl this year i really do believe that i think the nfc is kind of that wide open and russell wilson's played that well but dk is definitely that guy dk you know has made huge strides he was our guy this year in the black book to make that jump him and calvin ridley both of them and been great, but but obviously DK has been all world and it's him. It's Hill. It's Devontae Adams. It's that elite group right now. And the scary thought is it's only year two for this guy. How good could he be potentially in three years from now? And, and Jim Schwartz, who was, you know, a coach of the Detroit lions, apparently before the game said a comment to him when they were talking like, well, you're not Calvin Johnson yet. And he took that personally. He actually said at the press conference, he kind of took that personally, you know, the old Michael Jordan meme and went out there and decided to put a show on. No, he's not Megatron yet. He's just trying to be DK Metcalf. And I'll tell you what, DK Metcalf's pretty good. I, I'll take DK Metcalf. Calvin Johnson was great, but Calvin Johnson also took him a couple of years to really become Calvin Johnson. We're just in the year two and DK was already in that conversation for the best going at the position already. So I think that might even be more impressive in some ways.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, with that comment, by the way, uh, the Detroit writers said that Schwartz was complimenting him. So mm-hmm. it, with respect to DK Metcalf, who again is the most important player on my teams, who again I'm saying mm-hmm. is in the first round, um, you know, I would just say cut the crap on that one. If, if Schwartz is really <laughs> trying to compliment him, he needs to know a little bit better. I mean, Jim Schwartz has been in the NFL for a long time. He's a really sure. good coach, really good defensive coach. And I, I don't know. And it what was the probably the conversation
2: there. was was like, man, you're having a great year, but I, got uh, Coach Calvin, you're not there yet. It was probably something more like that. But you know
1: what? I, I, I don't know. I Maybe mean, the just say nothing. Detroit Maybe just think say that he was trying out. to compliment him. And if that's the case, in my opinion, then that was that was Bush League after the game and with that comment that that I didn't like to see. Just like all of Jordan's nonsense comments about <laughs> the guy stiffing him at dinner, and then it came back out that all the, even the Chicago Bulls said that they weren't even in the same place. So. <laughs> um again again that, that's fine if you're gonna use that to motivate it but uh hey, i mean come on worked. i mean seriously like that that's i mean that, that's liter. basically dk metcalf channeling that that documentary and using that <laughs> yeah. as some way and if that's what gets you going then then so be it but please i mean if, if you're trying if, if he was trying to deliver a positive thing to him Just take that and accept that. To even be compared, by the way, to Calvin Johnson, a Hall of Famer, and Metcalf played all of one year. I think that is a compliment to me. But you decap, he could say whatever he wants. Okay, now on the side of Philadelphia, (laughs) I'm not really sure which direction they're going here. Carson Wentz didn't look good again. He was sacked a bunch. I know their offensive line isn't very good, but I don't know. I I don't. I don't know why Jalen Hurts isn't playing. I don't know that Jalen Hurts would be any better than Wentz, but I think that it's beyond fair at this point Joe to let him play and see I just don't get what they're trying to do here once even when he's comfortable in the pocket still isn't even making the throws and it's obvious to everybody I know they don't have great receivers but at this point why not at least try something different what is the worst thing you can happen you could go one and five the rest of the year and then maybe still make the playoffs I, I don't I don't follow I don't follow on this one. No, I, look,
2: I, I think you're being kind when you say the offensive line isn't very good. It's awful. And uh, it's not just the offensive line, but it's also Carson Wentz. And you could tell every time he drops back there, even when the pressure doesn't come to him, he is jumpy. You watch him in the pocket, and he just seems really unnerved. And uh, again, he continues to try to make plays that aren't there. And, and you know what? He should have gotten tagged for that, you know, that grounding when the ball, you know, the bad snap, and he went behind there, and they said he reached the. Uh, Uh, the first down the uh, scrimmage line. He did not with that throw. I mean, he's always trying to do too much and I think it's a combination of the bad offensive line and also not running the footballs. I mean, look, you can't have miles Sanders active and healthy for this game and give him six carries. I'm sorry. You just can't do it. He's probably your best weapon. And if you don't get the ball in his hands more, I'm talking 15 to 20 times a game, which is what they did last year when they were successful. If you go back and look at the game log to close out 2019 miles Sanders activity log was all over the place. You didn't see that last night. You got to get that happening again. It'll take a little pressure off the offensive line, not much, but a little, but Carson Wentz right now just looks completely confused. It, that, that picky through in the end zone. I don't, if you want to blame it on somebody not breaking off the route properly or whatever, but that was, there was nobody within five yards of that defender in the end zone. It was ugly. And just again, like you said, in the first segment here, it's like the same movie over and over and over
1: every single week. Yeah, and they'll have to address a lot I don't think they have a shot to win this division but nonetheless, people will believe that this is the week we'll have more fantasy talk coming next don't go away
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: Yeah, welcome back to Fantasy Sports today. If Ohio State is to get into the college championship picture, they're going to have to play a game (laughs) coming up this week or next week. They're scheduled to play at Michigan State this week, and that game looks like it could potentially be on. Of course, the Spartans could care less if they play. This is a down year for them big time. Uh, But Ryan Day, the head coach of Ohio State, will not be eligible to coach this game uh, due to COVID-19 protocol. So we'll see if he can return either next week, the week after that, or maybe even for the college football playoff. But in the Big Ten, you got to play six games, and they have not yet. So uh, hoping for Ohio State that they get back on the field either this week against Michigan State or some other opponent, because that's basically the story of this college football season. It's maybe you play who you're supposed to or just play somebody else to get the correct amount of games in. Okay, in the NFL, we have those problems as well. And it's it's kind of getting crazier by the minute as well, trying to figure out who and, and when is, I think the Ravens and Steelers are gonna play. I mean, right now we have it <laughs> scheduled for Wednesday. We'll see if that ends up happening. But one thing that we can count on are the numbers. And we do have some numbers to go over here on the show. And so let's get started, Joe, with fantasy by the numbers and get started with a running back that seems to be making the most of those goal line opportunities.
2: Yeah, he is. And the number is seven. And the answer for this number is the goal line carries for Kenyon Drake since week 10. Now, you could say maybe this is the healthiest Kenyon Drake has been all season because he has certainly looked better than he did in the first half of the season. There's no doubt about that. Kenyon Drake had all kinds of injury issues uh heading into the season, and that's kind of been something that's followed him throughout his career. However, he does look healthier, and this is kind of going to something uh also we spoke about yesterday, which is how healthy is Kyler Murray right now? Because Kyler Murray seems to be the guy that doesn't quite look 100% and if so maybe just maybe we're gonna get a little bit more action here with him and not only is he getting uh the most goal line carries but he's also getting the most red zone carries as well since week 10 which is a fascinating little stat I know it's a a short window here when you look over a three-week trend that's enough of a trend where you start to take notice. And I think it's something you should take notice of in DFS on FanDuel. It's something you should take notice of probably the rest of season two and monitor this closely too, because what you can see also is that's right around the time where Kenyon Drake got hurt too. And I think you put these two things together and you go, okay, oh, excuse me, where Kyler Murray had that injury. So you put the Kyler Murray injury along with a healthy Kenyon Drake. And I think that combination seems to be helpful, at least for Drake's fantasy value. Now, hopefully. The issue with Kyler Murray won't linger, but if he can at least start to get some confidence from the coaching staff around that goal line, it seems like he's getting those opportunity and Chase Evans certainly had every chance to run away with this job and did not, then maybe it's just safe for the rest of the season and into the fantasy playoffs to think that Kenny Drake is a guy you could start every single week because the trend, Craig, is certainly leaning towards that direction.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely is. And, and I think that the, the what you illustrated there is the only fear is on Kyler Murray. And right now, Arizona's yes. right in the thick of the playoffs. But if if they were to keep losing and then, you know, you, you have Murray riding into, like, next week is not an issue. But who knows where Arizona's going to be two weeks from now. And the NFC picture could be a lot clearer. I would wonder if there is anything up with Drake. I'm sorry, if there's anything up with Murray that he would play in a fantasy super bowl for you so it's just something Mm -hmm. to consider down the road it's always good to have a backup quarterback listen if the nfl can have a covid quarterback just in case you can have a good backup quarterback on your fantasy team especially Mm -hmm. with a lot of teams checking out at this point look on the waiver wire see who's there okay let's go over to the running back position and joe uh, i would say probably one of the more surprising productive running backs in the nfl we did not see this last year when saquon barkley went down we are seeing it this year with the giants
2: Yeah, and the number here is five, and that's the number of weeks in a row with a touchdown for Wayne Gallman, and you're 100% correct. Last year, and that Saquon injury happened. Wayne Gallman was just another guy. he's gone from just another guy to being a really useful fantasy cock he was just 5700 this week and he talked about him at length on the sunday morning show here on sports grid talk about what a good lineup builder he is what what a good matchup he had and also how consistent he's been and now the question becomes okay well what's the offense now if daniel jones misses time he's going to at least miss this week so we'll see what changes here if anything but I would tend to think you might lean a little bit more heavily on that run game with Colt McCoy than you even were with Daniel Jones, because the thing about Daniel Jones is Daniel Jones will break off and run some on his own. I don't know if Colt McCoy is really going to be doing too much of that. He's not quite as fleet of foot as Daniel Jones is. So you might see some more Dion Lewis. You might see a few more carries for Wayne Gallman. I don't think he can keep the streak alive against Seattle, but I think it's not worth sitting him over just because Daniel Jones is out. I think a lot of people see this injury and start to panic, but I think what you look is again, that track record so far in these last five weeks and where that trend is going. And that trend has been really solid and the value in daily fantasy has been outstanding because especially on FanDuel, which is a half point BPR, you're looking for the guys with touchdown equity. That's a huge difference maker. Just the guys who have an okay day, but get those touchdowns, get those goal line looks the way Drake, the way Gallman have, those guys are game changers. That's the difference between a 12-point day and an 18-point day. And that makes all the difference when it comes down to pay lines on FanDuel.
1: Yeah. And and look, at this stage, if he's just the goal line guy, even and can get you eight fantasy points every week, I know it doesn't sound like a lot. But some people need running backs at this point. And Gallman should be owned in virtually every fantasy league. And he's getting almost every goal line carry. So that's good enough for me. Let's move on to the San Francisco 49ers. And, and look, Metcalf was a guy at the end of last year that I thought that going into 2021 that I or 2020 that I wanted a piece of if he was there. And now there's going to be no value with DK next year because he's going to go in the first yeah. round or second round in every draft. This is a player that I think is going to have some value in fantasy. And I could see the same sort of rise, Joe, if the quarterback situation gets better for them. And I don't even know that it will. That that could be the issue.
2: Well, if you're looking for a guy to kind of meet that criteria the way Godwin did two years ago and the way DK Metcalf has this year, I think next year that guy's going to be C.D. Lamb because people are going to forget. How good those first few weeks are with Dak prescott they really are and he's gonna get suppressed because the also the wide receiver class is so good coming in this year everyone's gonna be talking about them everybody's gonna be talking about the year two guys and how great this rookie class was and i'm telling you right now cd lamb's gonna get lost a little bit in that shuffle but Debo Samuel is another guy, and this number here is 37%. That was the target share for him in the offense this past week. And a healthy Debo Samuel is a game changer, not just for the 49ers, but for fantasy purposes as well. And I got to tell you, you know, early drafting, I was all into Debo Samuel. And then once we had that injury, I had to kind of pump the brakes because we've seen this before. We saw it last year twice with Debo, and now we've seen it again this year, which that inability to stay on the football field, and it's not a matter of talent. He is the prototypical perfect Kyle Shanahan wide receiver. He runs those fantastic slants over the middle, catches the football, and then the yards after carry just go on for days, and that's what you want. The yards after catch, that's what you want from Debo Samuel, a guy who can make his own fantasy points, and you know, just watching the playoffs last year, how integral he was to that run that they had, and it doesn't seem to matter who's playing quarterback if it's Garoppolo, if it's Mullins, it doesn't matter. Debo's that good. So my advice to people now is if you can still make trades in those dynasty leagues, or maybe somebody's really frustrated with Debo, take a shot, throw a draft pick out there for Debo Samuel for next year, get him on your roster because in year three, if he can just play 16 games and stay on the field, which is asking a lot, but Hey, even if you just play 14 games, I think you will take that value. And I think he's a guy to monitor very closely this year too. He needs to finish out the season strong. He needs to finish out the season on the field. And if he does, it's going to go a long way to rebuilding that value in 2021. But, Craig, this is one of those great diamonds. If you want to go right away and take running backs and take that big tight end in Kelsey or take the big quarterback in Kyler Murray or Patrick Mahomes, you're going to find some value later with wide receiver. And Debo is one of those guys, especially in full-point PPRs, that could do that.
1: Yeah, I, I think that he'll be one that I'll take a shot on next year when he goes in the third mm-hmm. round or the fourth round, somewhere along those lines. At, at least that's a oh, direction I don't think that he's I'm headed.
2: Sniff that he's going to be more you like a so? fifth round guy. No, well, I mean, just from looking at oh, you I think mean, he'll just go later? Well, oh, absolutely. Well, think about right now, just this rookie class. You've got Jefferson, you've got Claypool, you got C.D. Lamb, right? You got Judy, all those big names. So a lot of people are gonna be talking about them because they're the new things, right? And I'm sure I'm forgetting mm-hmm. one or two also. Then you're also talking about that elite group, which is a huge group right now, that, that's got the DTKs and the uh, DeAndre Hopkins and all those guys that, that we talked about. The, then you got A.J. Brown, who's in that probably that low end wide yep. receiver one probably tier, from those from kind of guys. From. You're probably looking at Debo being a guy you could get in the fifth round potentially, if not even six, depending on the depth of your league. And I'm telling you, I think as a return on investment there, it's kind of similar to what we saw this year with Will Fuller, just from a productivity standpoint. I think you can have those kind of stats going into 2021 when you finish and when you look up if again, it's a big if. He could just stay on the field because the talent and the guy is just built for that scheme and what they like to do.
1: Yeah. I look, DK was injured a lot in college, so who knows? I mean, maybe this will be the change for Debo. We'll see. All right, let's cap it off with the running back position where Nick Chubb, Joe, is on pace to potentially, and again, long way to go here, but potentially break a modern NFL record.
2: Yeah, look, this is a a stunning thing here. You know, we talked about – yards per carry and some people say well that's a lazy stupid old school stat you know because a guy can have a big run and really kind of you know bump that up quite a bit and it's kind of an artificial inflated number okay i don't know about you craig but i love guys that break big runs i love a guy that can look up and gets a 70 yard touchdown that wins me a fantasy week that's a game-changing kind of guy and if you do that over enough weeks it's not a fluke it's not a one-time thing So anybody out there telling you that stats like this don't matter anymore, they're wrong. These are the same people who don't appreciate OPS. Yeah. All it is a simple addition of slugging percentage and on base percentage. It gives you a pretty good idea how good an offensive player you are. Same thing here with a running back. I'm sorry, but you are getting close right now. The modern NFL record is 6.38 yards per carry. And that was set uh, back in 2010 by Jamal Charles, right? So Nick Chubb is getting pretty close to that. He's at 6.25. That is the number here. And I'll tell you what. It would not shock me the way the usage has gone, the way Chubb has looked here, that he can actually hit this number. And that's going to surprise a lot of people. And I think it's going to start to have a conversation is, you know, for guys who don't catch the football, like Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry, people have really been undervaluing them in PPR leagues just because of that. And that is madness. Are they touching the football? yards are yards touchdown equity is important and most importantly who is the focal point of their offense and those two guys are and they need to be respected like that in 2021 even in ppr leagues
1: all right big game again coming up for cleveland of course this week but we'll get to this week, later on in the week, coming up next, it's time for a Hot Take Two today. We're going to run through it for you here. A lot of statements to see whether or not they are hot, lukewarm, or maybe even cold. We'll knock it out next. This is Tennessee Sports today. We're on the grid. We'll be right back after this.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: And welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig, Miss Joe, P. Sapia. it is Hot Take Tuesday. It's the first day of December 2020. And Joe, here in South Florida? (laughs) It actually was like 60 degrees today, the coldest day in nine months here in South Florida. So, got to get out the sweaters and the jackets here. Huge day.
2: Ah, the sweaters and the jackets—that's what we get. This. Do you really do that? 60 degrees? I don't. I'm
1: just saying okay. some people do.
2: Because you do. still got that northeast
1: built inside of you. I know. I know deep down. Not really. still, but I, I, I've
2: seen I, those people. I, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I—I I mean, when it's cold, I—I yeah. I feel it here. I—I I thought it was great to wake up to it, to, though. I mean, it, we don't really get—I mean, especially South Florida, we really don't get a lot of cool weather at all throughout the year. So, as December turns, does the heat turns, even come oh, on in your California. house?
2: How does that work? Like, does the heat even come no, on in your house? Maybe
1: like... once a year. Maybe once oh. a year. Yeah unbelievable
2: yeah you know speaking of uh (laughs) you know locations and things like that and and talking about who's playing who's not this week you know you mentioned the little florida thing at the top of the show You, you forgot that there were two more teams on a bye this week is there a team that is more desperately in need of a buy than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Like, doesn't it feel like they kind of need to step away from things and reevaluate after three of the last four. Not me. I have Godwin an
1: and I'm trying to play for the playoffs. So yes, <laughs> I guess for the maybe, but for me, no, I, I I don't really have a good replacement for him either. And another league, I have to I have Evans. So it's like, it just like, yeah. I, I think honestly, time it's going to catch a lot of fantasy owners by surprise seeing this. And yeah, And by right. the way, if you check your fantasy team scores this morning, you're probably not seeing a final because they're waiting nope. on the Wednesday night game. So, so weird. Like, and I'm talking about most of the novice people that are just watching the show, playing fantasy football. They're like, wait a second. Why haven't I won yet? <laughs> it's because like there's still <laughs> potentially another game tomorrow. Okay. And then the all of a sudden way on way Thursday, way. they're going to wake up and go, oh, all right, great. I won. What do I got this week? <laughs> oh, wait a second. The Bucks are off? Because look, yeah. not everybody paid that close attention to this. At least I don't. I don't think they do. Maybe some do, but I guess yeah. I don't. Well, waivers have anyway. been
2: moved in two of my leagues. I know they moved them because. What did they it's move like, it hey, to? We need. Thursday? They moved it to uh, th- to Thursday processing. Yeah, so so yeah, Thursday to Friday, which is which makes a lot of sense. I think. I mean, I think that's smart to do if you can at this stage in the game. But like a lot of teams have checked out too. Everybody knows whether they're well, not everybody, but I think some teams have some definitive knowledge whether or not. Plus. Uh, you know, obviously the wafer wire is not nearly as plentiful this time of year, so it's going to be a little oh, bit thinner true. tomorrow. So we'll see how we go. But we'll find a You're couple You're saying Dearness Johnson
1: is still available? I'm
2: saying Dearness Johnson is available, and he should always be available. That's what I'm saying.
1: Blew that one this year. That's for sure. Okay, right. let's go. Hot to take Tuesday here. The Michigan Wolverines have had a really, really tough time this year. They've had a really tough time beating Ohio State the last five years. And so our first take of the day on Hot Take Tuesday will be Jim Harbaugh, former quarterback of the Chicago Bears, former quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts, former coach of the 49ers, and sadly, I think soon to be former coach of the Michigan Wolverines will be the next coach of the Chicago (laughs) Bears. Is that or is that not a hot take? A very interesting one, I would say, that we start off with today.
2: Well, I think the prodigal son just might return. I think Harbaugh has this window where he's really effective for like the first few years where he gets somewhere and people kind of buying in. And I feel like the bears kind of need that. The bears kind of, they don't have the personality, of quarterback, right? Usually you look to the leaders of the, of the offense, like the quarterback, who's that main person. They don't really have that. The Chicago bears. I mean, defensively, you've got Khalil Mack, great player, but really this team doesn't have that personality factor. And I feel like that's kind of important in the NFL a little bit, and I think that for saving face purposes, for him to walk away from Michigan is better to be fired. And I'm going to say this is not a hot take. I actually think this makes a lot of sense. I don't think Nagy's going to outsee uh, this season. And I got to tell you, it's starting to feel a little bit like this might be a perfect marriage where you bring in a whole different kind of personality, a whole different mentality, a guy that the fan base already has a, a significant feeling for in some way, and most of them have a pretty strong affinity for him still. I think this would be a really good opportunity, but once again, it's probably only good for like two years. And then after that, things will start to go sour, but you know what? They need something to turn things around. And I think this might be it.
1: Well, first of all, it's not a hot take. It is reasonable. So I'll start off with that. But, but the other yeah. thing that I want to ask is and just clarify here. Did you say, I'm just asking, did you say that he's going to be able to walk away from Michigan? well, maybe uh, run, run fast away from Michigan. I mean, he's he's going to get fired. He's not going to walk away from anything. They're playing hard. You know what I'm year. saying? Um, like, oh,
2: wait, I've got another call. It's, uh, oh, it's the Chicago Bears. Hang on, Michigan uh, Director of Athletics. Give me one second. Let me just take this call before I take your call. And then the next thing, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to walk yeah, away. I don't know. Man. We thought it was a good thing to step away. Know. It was mutual. It was mutual.
1: Brett, you got to look this one up, but I think he's making, I think he's making almost $5 million uh, to coach the, to coach Michigan. So I don't think he's walking away from anything. I think he'll get fired and get paid by two teams next year. It's not a hot take. <laughs> if Harbaugh has a chance to coach anywhere, any team, anytime next year, he needs to take that job because the longer he is out, I think the harder it is going to be for him to succeed anywhere. And by the way, get another job. I thought Mm -hmm. he did a great job with San Francisco. I thought that he was going to do a really good job with Michigan. They judge you there by wins and losses against Ohio State, and he has none. And he has none. (laughs) (laughs) The the bottom bottom line in college football is this, when it comes to those rivalry games. You don't have to be great. You don't even have to be good. But in a four- or five-year window, the recruiting has to turn at some point for you to be better than your rival for like a year if not two and it never has for michigan i mean that is what is the most astounding part of this you can go through all like alabama lsu like lsu had their day right like lsu had that last year eventually it's gotta happen doesn't have to happen a lot but he's gotta beat that team once in five years and it just didn't happen so maybe this is the year i don't know but not a hot take Will he be the next coach of the Bears? I don't think so. I'm going to say no, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think that there is a chance of that. Okay, way too much time on that, sorry. Next, let's move over to the San Francisco 49ers. Their starting quarterback in 2021 is not on their current roster. I need to know the finances of Garoppolo, parting ways with him to answer this question properly, because I thought it was very easy to walk away from Wentz. I think that you told me, The cap, it was like a a jillion dollars, and now I know that they gotta keep him. Um, But what's the deal with Garoppolo? I I think I think I gotta know that before I can answer this.
2: Well, Garoppolo signed for some cash too. And I actually think this is a hot take. I think Garoppolo will be the starter next year to begin the season i would be very surprised if they didn't bring somebody else in some sort of kyle shanahan reclamation project because i think they looked at this year and said okay we've seen garoppolo go down a few times we've seen good garoppolo and bad garoppolo maybe it'd be smart to bring in somebody else and they're not going to probably be in a great spot to draft a quarterback this year so i actually think this is a hot take but i do believe they're going to bring somebody else not named nick mullins And I don't know if it's going to be a Darnold, maybe bring him back to the West Coast, maybe change the scenery there, getting as far away from New York as possible could be intriguing. But I think there's definitely some opportunity here to bring in somebody else and maybe just maybe not compete, but at least be there and waiting in case Garoppolo does either get hurt again or doesn't quite play well enough.
1: Yeah, I I think that this is probably unreasonable to think because again, of of cap hits, and that's not something that, is comes off the tongue for me or even off the brain knowing exactly Mm -hmm. what, where that stands. But even they just gave Jimmy G two years ago, that contract extension. So I can't see any scenario where they could just punt him. So I I would say exactly what you said is probably the truth. Now, will it be through through the draft Will it be through free agency? I'm not sure. They're now predicting five quarterbacks being taken in the first round Mm. of the 2021 draft. So if that's the case, the 49ers would fit the bill for one of those teams that could potentially go that route. So, I would say that it is a hot take. I would say Garoppolo, you're right, ends up starting for them week one. Okay, on to the rookies in the NFL in 2020, a name that we really don't talk about a lot because their football team is not exciting and they're named the football team. So, why would we? (laughs) Antonio Gibson will be the best rookie running back of 2020. I'll start. Uh, I don't think this is a hot take because we don't know the answer yet. It's going to be between him and James Robinson. I would assume. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that yep. there's anyone no, else that that's it. forgetting somebody in that mix. Right. That's it. Two so, guys, two guys who are
2: undrafted basically in almost every fantasy league for the most part. I mean, you know, Gibson more was of a, your, no,
1: I think Gibson was, well, Gibson was close to it. Listen, Gibson, now, give, was give me an ADP on. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I'm just, I'm just me in, me in
2: your 10 team ESPN league. Antonio Gibson wasn't in casual formats. I'm telling you, he wasn't getting drafted. I'm you telling you, he that was not.
1: I don't believe you. I'll prove Sorry. it.
2: I mean, because going into the prove season, it. if you recall, they still had uh, Peterson on that roster. At the time. So he wasn't even kind no, of I, in that it was I like a big cluster. Listen, I could be hand, wrong, but I, I
1: I think I think that, that he was drafted in every single fantasy now, league play. Regardless, I,
2: I think you're I think you're right. And you and I play in more, yeah, you know, I would say sharper levels of fantasy where most people did have Gibson. But I, I don't I think this is a hot take right now because James Robinson has really been steady all year and Gibson's just kind of coming on late. But if he has a really good finish here, and the Washington football team make the playoffs, all of a sudden we're going to have a different perspective. And this was a guy that what you know had barely like thirty carries or so in college as a running back. Yes, and was all. Yeah. He was drafted as a wide receiver. You know, he still was drafted as that, and then they converted him. And you know what? Giving this kid that credit for making that change and how good he's looked in these last few weeks it's really astounding and it's funny because Clyde Edwards later had a first round grade Jonathan Taylor had all kinds of helium DeAndre Swift seemed like a good late pick no no none of those guys have really worked out and returned their value James Robinson has and Antonio Gibson has and Gibson was probably towards the end of drafts again if you're looking for him and James Robinson was undrafted I still think it's Robinson but it's getting closer here which is fun to see
1: yeah and I also think that it's anecdotal Uh, 2020 i think that the mistake um, i'm and again who knows what next year will bring and i don't know all the running backs that are going to get drafted no one had Edwards Hilaire in the first round last year anyway so what the interesting part of this will be is that you really i think have to put blinders on in 2020 because if you go back the last 10 years of fantasy football there always has been a rookie running back that has graded out Mm -hmm. as a first round pick or second it just i think this is just a year it didn't happen and i think a lot of people are going to be very nervous about that going into next season and i will not i'll be very happy to Go grab a young guy and just assume that the busts that you mentioned, Acres included, in that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's an anomaly. It's an off yeah, that's what I think. But
2: no, okay, let's uh, go over the Miami major.
1: Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick, who led the Dolphins to a win over the Jets, that's not saying much. Clearly, two a one three games in a row before he got hurt. Ryan Fitzpatrick should play rest of the season at quarterback for the Dolphins. They play Cincinnati. Kansas City, New England, at Vegas, at Buffalo. So after this week, it gets tough.
2: Yeah, and see, that's that's my problem is the teams you're playing. You're playing an Andy Reid coach team, a Bill Belichick coach team, a John Gruden coach team, and a Buffalo team that I think everybody realizes that is is pretty good. Now you have a, a cakewalk there, hopefully against Cincinnati. But you know, as much as I'm enamored of Tua. I look at the schedule and I look at the defenses and the coaches they have to play against. And it seems like Ryan Fitzpatrick would be the, the better play. It seems like he would be the guy that probably gives you a better chance to get into the playoffs. If you're Brian Flores. And it, it's not a knock on to it. It's just a circumstance of the schedule where we are in the year the veteran leadership of a guy like Fitzpatrick in those situations. And and you look, you know, you're going on the road to Vegas, on the road to Buffalo. I mean, I don't know, Craig, it seems to me like Fitz actually would be the better guy. And I don't think this is a hot take, but I think they will go back to Tua and it might cost them the playoffs. The question is, are you willing to give up the playoffs this year for the growth of Tua and his development? And I don't know if I am, and I don't know if Brian Flores is.
1: Yeah. I, I it's going to be really interesting because you never want, one game to be the determiner and i don't think that the jets was that game but at least from what i'm hearing there's a good shot fitzpatrick plays again against cincinnati and if he beats cincinnati i don't think he was playing against kansas city care or not we'll be back with more fantasy sports today right after this don't go away
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: SportsGrid coming up in about 15 minutes from now with the Big Patrick Mahomes game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. His sports cards are on the rise again, and our friend Josh Cohen from PC Sports Cards has probably the biggest card that he's shown us since he's been a guest here on this show, uh, annual salary-type card for Patrick Mahomes. That's coming up in about 15 minutes, so make sure you got to see this one. Stay tuned for that. All right, Joe, fantasy trivia as we close out this hour. What do we got?
2: I got to get one of them cards. That's all I know. Yeah. 2021, I, mean, I got to get me some more cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all
1: thing. right.
2: So we've been talking a lot about the wide receivers after Tyreek Hill's historic performance this Sunday. But what about quarterbacks? Who's put up the greatest single game in fantasy for a quarterback? And here are your choices Is it A, Peyton Manning, the all stalwart? Is it B, Mike Vick running around making things happen? Or is it a quirky one in C and Mark Rippen of the then Washington Redskins, Craig?
1: Okay, so uh, <laughs> I am going. This is my favorite to... part:
2: the deductive reasoning sigh in fantasy trivia. Is yeah, because I don't favorite. know.
1: I never know these things. I know. So uh, I'm, I'm going to say, that. I'm going to. I'm guessing. That Peyton Manning with Denver, if if my mind has me right through like one incredible game where he had like seven touchdowns yeah. or six touchdowns, that's my guess. Peyton Manning. He
2: did, and it was in 2013, and I know exactly the game you're talking about, and it was unbelievable, but that was third. That's right on this wow. list. Mark Rippon actually was ahead of him. 1991, <clears throat> Mark Rippon, 48.08 points. Peyton Manning, 46.28, but the granddaddy of them all, Mike Vick, 10 years ago, almost to the day, 15 Mike Vick, 49.32 points for Mike Vick. I think people kind of forget that Michael Vick kind of really changed the quarterback position forever. Yes, Randall Cunningham was a very good rushing quarterback. There were a few other ones, but Mike Vick was something we've never seen, and we're seeing a lot of Mike Vicks right now.
1: Was he with Philadelphia or Atlanta? No, this was with Atlanta,
2: 2010. This is Atlanta. Oh, so cool. okay. yeah. Gotcha.
0: <laughs> All right,
1: more fantasy sports today. Our headlines are next after the update.